You've probably heard it said that the only things certain in life are death and taxes. And while some people have figured out a way to evade taxes, um, nobody has quite figured out yet how to escape death. It is truly the one thing that is certain for all of us. And, And I say this, I don't mean to be morbid this morning, but I do want us to keep in mind the reality of both the fragility of life as well as how quickly it passes. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, verse 15 and 16, As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. This speaks to the reality that we each have but a small number of days that we will walk on this planet. It's a limited amount of time that we have. And I happen to believe that what we do in that limited amount of time matters. It matters for what happens here. It matters for what happens after our days here on earth have reached their end. Now, I think there's probably two basic beliefs about what happens when your days here on earth come to an end. Either you believe that nothing happens or you believe that something happens. If you believe that nothing happens, uh, that this world is all that is, and when your days are done, that they are over, then whatever you choose to do in this life would probably be fine because it wouldn't really matter because when it's over, it's over. You might wake up and be surprised. Now, now I tend to find that view a a little bit depressing uh, and a little too inconsequential, but it's a belief that people have. If you happen to believe that there is something that happens after you die, that there is something beyond this world or this life, which is, by the way, what most religions believe, then what happens in this life is of the utmost importance. And if there is a life beyond this one, if there is a world that is beyond this one, it makes each day, each week, each month, each year that you get to spend in this life take on eternal significance. Now, I graduated high school in the year 2000. Uh, Y2K was all the rage. Uh, big crisis that amounted to be nothing. It was the year that the Reverend John Piper spoke at the Passion Conference to a group of college students. The Passion Conference gathered college students from around the nation. I believe it started actually in about 98 or 99. Uh, Thousands of young people would gather for worship, uh, to have speakers that would come in to encourage them about the choices that they would make in life and following Jesus. And John Piper was one of the people in the year 2000 that spoke at this conference And he delivered a message that would reverberate throughout many in my generation's psyche, not only in those years, but on into young adulthood. And there was a book that followed his message, came out in 2003, called Don't Waste Your Life, which is kind of the, you know, sermon series that we're in, taking its name from that name. And and that book made quite a remarkable difference in my life and and helping me find my calling, and it did so for, for many And what I want to do this morning is play a clip from the sermon that John Piper preached at that conference because it speaks to the importance of what we do in this life. 
and there's just something that feels more authentic as it's coming from him. And so as we, we hear this just short, brief clip from that sermon, uh, I want you to remember now he's speaking with college students about what the course of their life will be. But I think it's something that's just as valid for those of us that are now beyond the, the college year. So I invite you to hear. About three weeks ago, we got news at our church that Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon. Ruby Eliason, over 80, single all her life, a nurse, poured her life out for one thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, a medical doctor in the Twin Cities, and then in retirement, partnering up with Ruby, also pushing 80, and going from village to village in Cameroon. And the brakes give way, over a cliff they go, and they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? Two women in their 80s, almost, a, a whole life devoted to one idea, Jesus Christ magnified among the poor and the sick in the hardest places. And 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and New Mexico, fly into eternity with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy, I asked. It is not a tragedy. I'll read you what a tragedy is. I've got a little article here from Reader's Digest. You don't read Reader's Digest, I know that. But there is a generation who does. This is a tragedy. Title of the article, Start Now, Retire Early, February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. 
The American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement. Collecting shells. As the last chapter, before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, look at my boat, God. Well, not for Ruby and not for Laura. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Perhaps it's just by coincidence uh, that Piper mentions Punta Gorda. Or perhaps there is a message in there that was delivered some 20 years ago that's a warning perhaps for those of us that now call Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, Northport, or Inglewood home. When you stand before Jesus and you look back over your life, when you're at the throne of the king and, and you look back over at your life, what will you offer him? Lord, I've got a pretty good golf game. I hope the heavenly fairways are nice. Lord, I've got this incredible shell collection. Lord, look at all of these possessions that I have acquired over the years. Look at it all, Lord. Isn't it great? We have such precious little time in this world. Within the time that we have, we have the opportunity to focus our attention on things that not only have a temporal significance, but an eternal significance. Not only for us, but an eternal significance for others. Within the limited time that we have, we can use it for our own purposes, or we can use it for kingdom purposes. I invite you to open your Bible with me this morning to Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. Jesus had just uh, finished completing a couple of miracles. He had taken a few loaves of bread, a couple of fish, fed over 5,000 people. He leaves that place, goes to another, and there's a guy who's blind, and he heals him. guy recovers his sight. And so then as Jesus and his disciples are traveling on to the next place, they're walking together, and Jesus asks them, he says, hey, you know, you've seen some of the things that I've done. You've been hearing me teach for a while. Who, who do the people say that I am? Who is it that you say that I am? One of his disciples, Peter, says, well, Jesus you know, you're uh, the Messiah. Uh, you're, you're the Savior who is coming into the world. And Jesus says, yes, you know, Peter, you're right about that. And then Jesus goes on and he says, and, and being the Messiah means that I'm going to suffer, that I'm going to be killed, but that I will rise again. Peter says, well, no, 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 Jesus, that's not, that's not what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to suffer. You're not supposed to die as the Messiah. Peter's probably thinking, you know, you're, you're going to be a king. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to have the life of a king. Uh, you'll be able to have an early retirement. All of, the, all of the possessions, all of the things, all the material goods that this world has to offer, that's going to be yours. Jesus, in hearing 
Peter come up with this response, gathers the disciples and the crowd and all who were around, and he begins to teach them. In verse 34, it says, He called the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words and this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Jesus' teaching offers us a different view of what constitutes a meaningful life. He offers a direct challenge to what the billions of dollars in advertising would tell you is the point of this life, what constitutes what makes a life on this earth meaningful. If anybody would be my follower, Jesus says, they must deny themselves. If you want to save your life, you got to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, And for the sake of the gospel, then you will have salvation. Jesus is telling us that we cannot operate, we cannot live, we cannot uh, go forward with an earthly mindset. But we must have a heavenly mindset, one that keeps the eternal in the forefront. It's a reminder to us that this life is temporary, but there is a life that is to come for those who would follow him in this world. It's an invitation for us to change our approach. Rather than striving to make the most out of what this limited world has to offer, rather than living for the kingdoms of this world, we are to live with the heavenly kingdom as our focus, as our goal, as our direction, as the source of what gives us meaning in this world. We've been given a limited amount of time on this earth to prepare ourselves for what is to come. We've been given various opportunities, various talents and abilities, and we can use them so that we can have all of the nice things that we've wanted. Or we can use them to advance the cause of Jesus and prepare ourselves and others for an eternity with him. A couple of months ago, I attended a training event for the Good News Club weekly after-school club ministry that we participate in at Kingsway Elementary. There's good news clubs at elementary schools throughout our county. And I was surprised as I looked around the room, I saw a lot of gray hair. Uh, And I'm not sure what I expected, but the overwhelming majority, probably 90% of the people who were there, who were saying, yes, I'm going to give an afternoon each week to go and tell kids about Jesus, an overwhelming percent of them were retirees. And each of them had so much joy on their face at the prospect of being able to go and give time out of their week to help teach kids about Jesus. One of the ladies who's a part of our team from, comes to this church and goes with us each Monday to Kingsway uh, deals with regular pain within her body. I'm not going to offer her age for us, but 80 is probably somewhere close. When I was asking her if she was going to be able to go this year, she wasn't sure if she could make the commitment 
because standing and walking puts so much pressure on her back. But she's there every Monday with a back brace and a smile. As I think about her witness, I think there's somebody who's denying herself for the sake of the gospel. I mean, how much easier would it be for her to sit at home every Monday afternoon and watch game shows? Or what? I don't know, that's what my grandma would watch in the afternoons when I'd get home from school. I'm not sure what else is on. How much easier would it be to sit in a nice couch and a recliner and watch the days of our lives as the world turns? To watch the news so you can stay up to the minute on whatever is happening, wherever it might be. At the call of Jesus and to follow him into the schools means that she's denying herself, taking up the cross so that others can know who he is. Jesus continues in his words to his disciples and to us. He says, what will it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? What can someone give in return for their life? And the American dream beckons people to spend their lives on trivial diversions, to be distracted and caught up in all the different things and in having all the different things, slipping through life caught up with seeking success or comfort or pleasure above all else. Jesus says, you can chase after all of these things, but what's it going to cost you? What's it really going to cost you? When you come to the end, people might stand up and say, oh, you know, he had a good life. He saw all of the sights. He visited all of the places. He threw the best parties. He really knew how to have a good time. But what will it all have meant? A generation passes by and then another, and the memories of that man are gone. No longer meaningful in this world and insignificant in the world that is to come. When I was visiting my father recently, he was showing me some pictures of his grandfather and of his great-grandfather, and perhaps I'm a poor representation of a family member, but I can't tell you a single thing about them. I don't know a single fact about my great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather. I'm lucky I could tell you their names, just one of their names. I don't know who they are, and their life now has no bearing on mine. One day my children will have children. My grandchildren will have children and I will be here no more. Nothing but a fading memory across the landscape of human history. And what will it all be for? And when they prepare for my funeral, hopefully they can say, you know, well, my dad tried to raise me, right? We had some good times together. Hopefully they'll say, you know, I know that my dad loved me, but God, I hope it doesn't end there. I hope that's not it. I hope the testimony at my funeral will be, he helped lead me to Jesus. I hope that somebody will stand up and say, because of him, because of his words, because of his witness, I came to know Jesus as my Savior. Because of him, God gave me a new life of freedom, and I could seek and follow him fully because of his life. Now, there's an old song by a singer named Ray Boltz. 
It's called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And in this song, I think it came out in the 90s. Uh, and it, he talks about a dream where he goes to heaven. He says this, he's walking around the heaven with you. You're there together. Uh, hearing the angels sing, somebody comes up and says, Hey, you might not know me now. You might not remember me, but, but you used to teach my Sunday school class when I was eight years old. And each week you would open the class with a prayer. And one Sunday morning while I was in your class and you were praying, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I just want to say thank you for giving to the Lord. So then another person approached and, and the person says, hey, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when, when a missionary came to your church and you didn't have much money, but you gave out of what you had sacrificially. And Jesus took that little bit that you gave and it made a difference. And he used that to reach me. And I'm here with you in heaven today because you gave. And I just want to say thank you for giving to the Lord. And one by one, people lined up each life somehow touched by the little things that you've done, by the sacrifices that you've made, things that may have gone unnoticed on earth, but echoing now in eternity. Jesus says those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. In his book, Don't Waste Your Life, John Piper speaks of his father, who was an evangelist, and talks about some of the stories his father would tell. And he recounts one story uh, that his father told about a man who was converted at an old age. His father said that this man, uh, this, this church that he was at, had prayed for this man for decades. But he was hard, he was resistant. But for some reason, he showed up one day when John's dad was preaching. At the end of the service during a hymn, to everybody's amazement, he came forward and he took John Piper's father's hand and they sat down together on the front pew. And as the people were dismissed, God opened this man's heart to the gospel of Christ. He was saved from his sins and given eternal life. But as they sat there together in what would be a joyous moment, in receiving and knowing Jesus, the old man was sobbing, tears running down his wrinkled face as he said over and over, I wasted it. I wasted it. Thinking about all the years, all the time that he had wasted on his own self, on his own desires, on his own wants. And the time that you have left on this earth, and none of us knows that number, could be tomorrow. Life is fleeting like the flowers of the field, the wind blows and they're gone to be remembered no more. The time that you have left on this earth, you have a choice to make. You can live for today. You can live for this world, for the comforts, though they are fleeting, for the earthly treasures as enticing as they may be. You can strive to gain the whole world. Or you can live in such a way that when you see Jesus, you can bring a whole crowd of people with you. Don't waste your life. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you 
that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus, to be our Messiah, our Savior, the one who died and rose again for our sake. Pray, Lord, that we would not only know that good news within our heads, but that it would reverberate within our hearts and within our lives. I pray that we would not live our lives for today or for this moment or for this world, but that we might live for the heavenly kingdom that awaits. We might strive to live for what is eternal. And we would live in such a way that others experience and know the goodness and grace know your love, that others would come to know and be able to experience that gift of life eternal alongside of us. Lord, burden our hearts for the sake of your kingdom. Give us compassion and courage that we might live each moment, each day, for the sake of your kingdom and for your call. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.